If I take five minute showers. If I bring a refillable coffee cup every time. If I only buy secondhand clothes. I'm up early, doing math. This study came out from UBC a few years ago called the Climate Mitigation Gap. They tallied up all the different lifestyle changes you can make to lower your carbon footprint. You give up your car, you stop flying anywhere, you go vegan. Nothing comes close to having one less child. By their logic, having a kid means you take on half of that kid's carbon footprint for every year that you're alive. Having one less kid in the Western world reduces each parent's carbon footprint by 58.6 tons each year. Which means, right, that one kid would add 58.6 metric tons of carbon dioxide to my footprint every year. It's a big number. Picture a balloon 10 meters tall, 10 meters wide. That is one ton of CO2. Oh, and apparently, to stay somewhere near our goals, Canada's target is less than one ton per person per year. And one kid adds 58 of those balloons. That is a lot of carbon to spend on one little person. I'm not sure we really need another carbon copy of me being minivan chauffeured to soccer practice and flying to visit their grandparents. But what if we can offset? They say in the study that all of the other changes you can make to your footprint are small in comparison. But what if I do all of them? If I don't fly transatlantic flights and I don't fly home for Christmas, that's your point. I'll give up my gas car and I'll get a hybrid electric car. I'll give up having I'll a, give car. Up having a car. car. I'll always use reusable grocery bags and stop forgetting them in the I'll truck. recycle absolutely, absolutely everything. Absolutely washed everything. too. I'll compost. And never buy the vegetables wrapped in plastic. Zero point zero point zero one. Not enough. I'll buy those metal straws. I'll go vegetarian. Vegan. Vegan. Almond milk uses a lot of water. I'll I'll buy fair trade coffee. I'll give up coffee. Fucking hell, that's only point one. Not enough. I'll save dishwater in the sink to water the plants. I'll cancel my Amazon Prime. I'll make all the baby food at home. I'll do the cloth diapers. Wooden teething toys. Not enough. We'll move off grid. Solar power, carbon neutral, tiny home. I'll grow vegetables in the garden, grow my hair long, wear blousy linens and hang them on the line to dry. Not enough. Not enough. I'll knock on the window of the car next to me next time one is idling in the ferry line. Look up at him and say, excuse me, excuse me. Can Can you turn turn that that off? Not enough. Not enough. I'll post in the neighborhood group about that house on the corner that runs sprinklers flooding the sidewalk in their manicured lawn on a hot afternoon. Does anyone know whose home this is? Wait, wait. Not enough. I'll pull out my hair for the birds to make nests I'll with shallow breaths. Sip, sip at the I will shrink myself so small I'll be a crescent moon. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's still not enough. Kimberly Nicholas was one of the authors on that climate mitigation gap paper. The one with the 58.6 tons. She talks to me from her office in Sweden after a long day of teaching. I'm glad she was willing to talk. I know this paper has had its fair share of pushback. But I need to know. What do I do? You know, we don't make any argument in the paper, and I've never made any argument saying this means people should or should not, you know, do X, Y, or Z in in their own decision of whether or not to have a child. So I think it cuts both ways. I think, you know, you could look at these numbers and say, wow, it really has a big climate impact to choose to have a child. But to me, it doesn't make sense 
my life doesn't make sense or, you know, I am going to have a, a child shaped hole in my heart. And this is part of what I see as my purpose of being on earth. Then I think someone who thinks that absolutely should have a child and that gives them all the more reason to fight hard for climate stability, because that is a big part of a re- accepting responsibility as a parent to make the world as safe as possible and as healthy as possible for your kid. But on the other hand, I think someone could look at this and say, oh, wow, that is a really big number. And I don't think I want it enough or, you know, that doesn't fit with my priorities. And maybe this is a way of, you know, exploring that question. I mean, I don't think people will look at a graph and then, you know, make this like fundamental life decision. Obviously, it's a much bigger and more nuanced and ongoing conversation than that. Do you feel like you've tipped anyone in a certain direction? Uh, Like, has anyone reached out to say this was a pivot for them? I'm thinking of one person, yes, one young man um, who I met at a conference who said, oh, after reading your paper, I decided I didn't want children. And that actually really stressed me out. Huh. A little part of me was hoping she would tell me what to do. It's good, though. It's good that she didn't. There's this ugly idea that the number of people is the problem. David Attenborough, Jane Goodall have even added their voices to the call for having fewer kids. But it's a slippery slope from we shouldn't be having more kids to those people are having too many kids to there are too many of those people. I can rip myself in half over 58.6 tons, but that's a drop in the ocean. Did you know the whole idea of carbon footprints came from British petrol? It's a brilliant way to shift blame from the abstract to the tangible. Their calculator scratches an itch in us for boxes to tick and numbers to crunch. We can calculate our way out of this. I used to get drunk and pitch my friends on going in on a big plot of land together. Okay, okay, so everybody, so we all buy one big chunk of property. It could be on an island, it could be in the interior, it could be just up north somewhere. And okay, so everybody, everybody in the group has one kid. And then everybody can have dinner, like everybody can have everybody's kids over for dinner at one night, and then everybody can have, go for dinner at another person's house another night. That's just like a They have one child. And then basically they're like they're like siblings or they're like cousins or they're like they're friends with each other but they're not like only children. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like it's a t- it takes a village and we're it takes the a village, village and then we but so everybody just has one kid. Yeah, I mean like you don't have to have one if you don't want. So so it's like a one child policy. Well, that sounds kind of familiar. Oh God. How many dogs can we have? (laughs) (laughs) A tyrant in my own fantasies. When it comes to populations, or even birth, control is the wrong word. With all the resources at my disposal, I failed to control this. So much of this is truly outside of our control. I can't control who people vote for where they shop, what they do with their vacation days. I know I should be mad at the larger forces, the corporate greed, the government inaction, and I am. But it's a cerebral anger, a a theoretical rage. 
It's the individual choices that make me sweaty. Why do I get the most heated about the choices that won't make any real difference? Maybe pettiness feels better than helplessness. I can't make other people's choices. I can only make my own. I I am white hot with jealousy at the people who can bury their heads in the sand about what their kids might see. Friends who say, oh, I try not to think about that because I want kids. I hate that. I want that. And the truth is, for most people, it makes no difference. The heart wants what it wants. I am going to have a child-shaped hole in my heart, and this is part of what I see as my purpose of being on Earth. Would I have a child-shaped hole in my heart? How can I know? We went camping last summer with our cat, first mistake, and brought our inflatable air mattress. Sometime along the drive, she must have gotten at it because an hour into our first sleep, we started to sink. Imperceptible at first, but we slowly dropped, our butts reaching the cold, hard ground first, then our feet, then our heads. What if right now there's a puncture mark and we wouldn't know until five years or ten years from now? when we're flat on the ground. Expectant is written and performed by Pippa Johnstone. Composition by Laura Resnick. Sound design and mixing by Robin Edgar. Dramaturgical support from Karina Palmatesta. Next time, Unexpectant. I also think there's lots of beautiful things about having a child no matter what and looking at what kinds of human thriving has always been possible in difficult situations. But actually, I mean, why do you have a child? Do you know that child? No. Are you really looking out for that child? No, you're having that child to satisfy a deep desire in you for belonging, connection, unconditional love. You're having a child for yourself. (laughs) 